0: eftm
1: tech
2: cars lifestyle this is the eftm podcast with Trevor on
0: eftm
2: g'day g'day great to have your company on the eftm podcast thank you for downloading thank you for listening if you're new to the show and you're new to the download great to have your company hit subscribe uh hit the auto download and we'll be with you every week Talking Tech Cars and Lifestyle, um, taking your calls on technology. If you've got a tech question, it's very easy. Just go to the website, EFTM.com. Click on Ask Trev. And tell me a question and uh, every Tuesday when I record, I'll get you on the line. We'll have a chat and hopefully solve your problem or your buying advice, whatever it is you've got for me. I'll try and help out. That's what I do. It's Talkback Radio in podcast form. Uh, simple as that. That's that's where I started it and that's where I. this is how I continue it. So always happy to... Uh, to help you with your questions, whatever they are. We've got a few of those today from uh, TVs to Foxtel and a whole bunch more. Plus today we'll talk energy, renewables and electric vehicles with the Minister for Industry. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Industry, um, energy and things like that. Uh, Angus Taylor will join me and we appreciate that. having. Um, uh, he had to have a break of a week or so during the campaign and he was his team was straight back in touch uh, once he was back on deck to arrange this for this week. Uh, and I will editorialize more about who didn't appear here later, as you can well expect. But for now, let's get cracking on the EFTM podcast. EFTM. This is the EFTM podcast. EFTM podcast. Thank you for listening. Lovely to have your company. Thank you for downloading. And here to take your calls. If you've got a tech question, go to the website eftm.com. Just click Ask Trev. G'day, Andrew. Hey, Trev. How are you going? Good, buddy. What can I do for you?
0: Um, just a question about my uh, my parents, they've uh, got Foxtel, they've had it for a long time and they're moving off to the IQ5 um, and at the moment they don't have a TV antenna so I was trying to set up some sort of system for them to maybe stream channels yep. um, because the location they're in is um, or has been really bad for TV reception mm-hmm. Um, so they, when we, well, when I lived there, um, analog was really bad. Right. Um, so Is it in
2: a valley or something or what? what?
0: Yeah. Right. Yes. They're they're in, um, Western Sydney, um, fairly close to, to where channel seven used to be in Mobs Lane. Okay. Yeah. And never had a good reception for channel seven. And with all the, you know, all the digital stuff now,
2: it's probably going to be even worse for them. Um, the thing is, so, it really does come down to the antenna. And look, the the apps are a great way to go, but I'm tipping they're probably not keen to click, 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 click through the apps to find try and get a um, to, to get a stream of a of a live show, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. I tried to the other weekend tried to show my mum how to do that off our our Samsung TV, mm. and it was it was all becoming too much for her. Right. So yeah, they they're so used to to just having a foxtel box, everything comes through there, you know, free to air. I don't yep. think they get high definition or anything. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's that's what they're used to. The other um, thing that that they do is is they're both hard of hearing. They're not deaf, but hard of hearing. So they mm-hmm. they mute the TV, turn on subtitles, and and just have subtitles going for every tv show that they watch yeah and i was looking at the the nine now app through the the samsung tv and i couldn't even work out how to turn subtitles on for them that's a good question
2: i don't even know i don't know that the live stream i think catch-up programs these days might have some closed captions but i'm not sure the live stream does and you know that's obviously there's there's still work to be done in terms of accessibility for things like this but I guess they're making as much ground as they can. It's a very small part of the business. It's still small streams, but it's going to grow and it's going to change and that that stuff will all come. Um, look, I think in the end, for it's a freestanding home or a unit?
0: Freestanding home.
2: So, I mean, your parents are, and this is going to sound weird, your parents are in a fortunate position that they don't have the drama of a strata and all those things for solving this problem. They can solve the problem on their own, which is forced upon them by Foxtel. Don't get me wrong. It's not... It's not a good thing. It's annoying. But um, so, for example, if they can still get Foxtel if you've got internet, so that's you've, – you've obviously gone – we can solve that problem, right? But it's yep. the free-to-air that's the issue. Then really an antenna is the solution to that problem. And, you know, an antenna man and any, anyone with antenna na- – the word antenna in their business name is, is going to be reputable, I would suggest. Um, they'll have the gear to come and check the existing antenna. They'll look at it and they'll go, it's, it's analogue. You want to get a digital one? And they'll be able to install it correctly so that it's pointing at the tower. It's got the right booster on it. And, you know, they should be even able to know just from the location whether or not you're going to have success with that. It is it is an investment. You might need to spend hundreds of dollars, maybe even up to a 1000 bucks for a new antenna. I actually don't know. But um, it is going to mean that from that day forth, free-to-air television is available at that home, free-to-air, um, no matter what yep. happens with Foxtel going forward. And you can plug the free-to-air antenna into the Foxtel box and then get the um, the free-to-airs and or you can, and/or you can plug it into the TV so that you've got free-to-air on the television as well.
0: Yep, I understand.
2: So I don't think there's a different solution for you. I think that's the way to go forward, which is frustrating because why does it change and why does it have to change? But, you know, mm. it is what it is and we can't fight it now. It's happening. Um, they're not going to reverse that plan. They yep. They may, they yeah, may it delay works. it, but they certainly won't reverse it.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that was what I was thinking for them anyway, that the, oh, yeah, the was like, antenna was, was going to have to be the thing. And, I, yeah, I did suggest that they would have to get someone in and do a, some sort of signal strength before they commit. And, look, to, you might want to, to be there for them for to
2: make sure that they, they do find a, a good antenna man and someone that's going to give them uh, a quote before they just do the work, all those different things, because obviously it's an area of, you know um, – potential for them to someone to say, oh, I need to put a big stalk up. I need to put an antenna on the roof. It's going to be $1,500. And you're like, Hey, whoa, 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 can we get a quote? Can we check around? You know, ring a couple of people, that kind of thing. Um, yep. you know, it, you don't want it to get too expensive, but it is really the only way forward for your parents for simplicity. Okay. I think in the, I think in the long term, annoyingly, the free to airs will find ways of making accessing the live stream even easier than it is today. Um, I've got some ideas around that, but I think it's a, it's a long way off, uh, executing. So yeah, for the initial plan, you're going to have to go with that, mate. Yep. All right, no Andrew. Worries. Good on you, You've mate. confirmed what I was thinking. That's what I'm here for, mate. Cheers, buddy. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks, Trevor. Good on you, mate. Anytime. And, um, if you've got a question like Andrew, happy to help. Uh, and it's funny one. you know, I'm not, I don't always have the right answer or a different answer. I might have the exact same answer as you, but sometimes you just want that validation. From someone else who you perceive to be an expert, um, but yeah, it's it's really just about validating what you had thought and want and and see as being the way forward. This is the EFTM podcast. EFTN. Thank you for listening. Now, the last couple of weeks, uh, in fact, I think it goes back a month or two. I talked to uh, Jafari from the Electric Vehicle Council about you know electric vehicles and the future and all that stuff, and we were talking about you know governments and legislation around the world, and then the election was called, and I I made a commitment that we would try and cover the topics of energy, solar and electric vehicles across both parties. I spoke to Paul Fletcher last week. Uh, Angus Taylor will join me momentarily, but I just want to be very clear. I have asked the Labor Party. I've asked individual um, Shadow members, Michelle Rowland and Chris Bowen, uh, their individual representatives and their general Labor Party media team to speak, and they have not come back to me. Not declined, but certainly not come back to me. But it doesn't matter. Um, we have the government's position, and that's what I want to hear. Angus Taylor, the member for Minister for Industry, Energy and Emissions Reduction, and the Fed, Federal Member for Hume, joins me on the line. G'day, Mr Taylor. G'day. Thanks
1: for having me, Joe.
2: And my condolences in the passing of your father. I know that's been a, a tough uh, couple of weeks for you, so hopefully he, he'll continue to be very proud of you and the work that you do in, in Hume as you um, no doubt continue as the member for that area. We We, we talk a lot about solar and the excitement of solar. Australia's really one of the leaders in solar, aren't we per capita? Is that is that a broad stat? It
1: absolutely is. So so we're approaching one in 3 houses now with solar on their roofs. So this is world-beating stuff. Um and it's defied all predictions. So AEMO the market operator electricity market operator mm. has consistently predicted we'd get 1 gigawatt a year of uh, solar coming on. That's equivalent to a pretty big uh, power station each year. We've been getting three, three, which wow. is a huge number. And, of course, that uh, that's resulting in almost one in three houses now having solar on their roofs. Uh, much of that solar, of course, must, uh, the technology in those solar panels has been developed in Australia over mm. the years, and we're making a big push to increase that what's really driven that is just the falling cost of solar that right. th- this is what drives clean energy because it's safe to say 10
2: 15 years ago it was a you know $20,000 job to put it on your roof and now it's a sub $10,000 job
1: exactly so it, we in fact the, the the numbers are really stark it's been a 12% reduction per year on average over 50 years Uh, which is absolutely extraordinary, that it's just kept going and going and going. Now, you get short periods where it might go up a little bit, and we've seen that now with supply chain bottlenecks. But over the long term, it's been that really consistent 4% reduction. And, of course, that means we're heading towards very low cost for solar uh, over the next 10 years or so, which is fantastic for clean energy. It's a big challenge for keeping the grid stable. Um, And, of course, that's the real work. Uh, we we have to do now on the electricity side is to make sure we can incorporate that level of solar into the grid in a way which keeps it reliable and affordable, as well as delivering the sustainability, of course, that solar does.
2: Is it still, is it today more uh, an advantage for the individual in creating their own energy as it was years ago? And I feel like it was five years ago or so when there were incentives to to kind of sell back into the grid and things like that. A lot of that has dropped off and now it's really just about your own personal home, your own personal power. Is that the way an individual without solar should look at it?
1: Yeah, increasingly that's been the case. And, of course, the, the incentives have become less and less necessary as the costs have come down. I mean, uh, and, and so the result is most people now are looking at it just saying, well, look, i will put these cells on the roof at the cost they're at, um, Mm. I'm going to significantly reduce my electricity bill. And, of course, people are are doing it. And it's not just household solar. We're seeing it in industrial applications. In agriculture, I have solar pumps on my farm, uh, Mm. which are incredibly, you know, effective technology. Um, They've replaced uh, other technologies, diesel and and even the old Southern Cross windmills, (laughs) Um, which is a bit sad, I suppose, because they're iconic. But, look, it is just a technology that has has had very, very significant impacts. And this is why I believe so firmly it will be technology that drives uh, emissions down, not just in Australia, but around the world. And Australia's role in this is important, not just in reducing our own emissions, but investing in these technologies, which we've been doing in a very significant way.
2: If someone listening is you know very heavily into the, the world of, of renewable and certainly just generally seeing a greener environment, what's the plan to, I guess, bring more renewables? bring more green power into the Australian uh, grid, the the entire Australian ecosystem?
1: Well, you know, we're a a Liberal national government, so we don't believe the answer to everything is government. So the plan is to work with Australians to do what they're already doing and they want to do. Um, You know, choice is a wonderful thing. And when the choice is shifting towards clean energy technologies, our job to make sure we knock down the regulatory barriers yep. that might get in the way, uh, make sure the overall system is working effectively, and let Australians make those choices. And you know, this is this is the power of clean energy technologies: is that consumers, w- when they come of age, when maturity, and that's exactly what we're seeing with solar, mm. people choose them. And the goal and job of government is to make sure those choices can be made. That there, there aren't barriers. And there, look, the truth is there are still barriers we have to knock mm. down in, in uh, getting more uh, solar into our grid and, and we, work, we work on that every day.
2: One of the things we hear a lot, um, especially the state level in, where I am in New South Wales, uh, I know the, the previous Minister for the Environment, now Treasurer, talks a lot about the economy and how renewables can drive the economy and be part of the Australian economy, things like hydrogen power and, and renewals. How, how, effect, how actually does um, going green... Drive our economy. Like what industries are created from renewables in Australia?
1: Well, let me put it this way: if you do it the wrong way, it, it'll it'll impact the economy negatively. It'll hurt the economy. If you do it the right way, it'll help the economy. Right. And and this is this is incredibly important. Um, you know, don't assume every every clean energy techno uh, uh, clean energy policy will always help the economy. Sometimes they will. Sometimes they won't. Right. Taxes never do help the economy. <laughs> you tax things. You know, you slow the economy down. It is very simple. You're putting a cost in that otherwise wouldn't be there. But but when you've got a a, a technology like solar, which is moving towards one and a half cents a kilowatt hour uh, by 2030, that's where it's going. Right. So to put that in perspective, the price of energy over recent years has been wholesale price has been sitting at six seven cents or thereabouts, and the retail price you know, in the high twenty-seven thirty 30 cents. If you can produce it for one and a half cents, that is the biggest disruption we've ever seen mm. in our electricity grid happening in front of us now. And so the job of government is just to help to uh, facilitate that. Now, the job of all governments is to invest in the R&D in those technologies, and that's why we're investing $22 billion across a series of priority technologies where Australia can play a leadership role, Um, including solar Uh, and hydrogen is is one of those low emission steel and aluminium Uh, carbon capture and storage we see enormous potential soil carbon farmers can play a role in this as well Um, and they're areas where Australia can lead the world and we can really move the dial in our own emissions reductions and and most importantly in those around the world because at the end of the day no matter what we do with our emissions, if China and India and other developing countries don't reduce their emissions, our efforts will, will have no impact.
2: Now, in terms of electric vehicles, I just want to i mean state from my point of view, I've driven more electric cars than I think probably anyone in Australia. Um, I reckon I've driven every model and I've driven thousands and thousands of kilometres from Brisbane to Adelaide, Melbourne to Sydney and from my own home to visit my family in Young and Walker and Tamworth. I've driven electric cars, I know exactly how they work and where they should be and, and how we need to get it happening. But I think the challenge we have today is actually not as much the grid and, and the charging, but actually the car companies. And I, I've had this conversation with the Electric Vehicle Council. I'm yet to be kind of sold on it, but they believe that government should be involved in incentivizing electric cars. How how do you see that playing out?
1: Well, I don't think that's where the priority needs to be. I mean, the priority is in knocking down uh, unnecessarily regulatory barriers and in making sure the infrastructure is in place i mean as you drive around uh those areas of course you've mm. got to get to charging stations and we've got to make sure the infrastructure is there to support that um uh, you know th- this is it's a little like the story we we're just talking about with solar i have no doubt the cost of electric vehicles are going to be continue to come down at a rapid rate in the coming years. That is the work of the car manufacturers. Um, No matter what government does, they're investing billions in R&D, not just in the cars but in the batteries, of course, which is where the really big breakthroughs have been made um, uh, in, you know, increasing the, the the size and and, and the usability of, mm. of the battery technologies, um, but uh the role of government is then to support those networks with with appropriate infrastructure and that's why we're investing over two billion dollars in in that um uh, charging stations uh, around australia and working with the private sector because a lot of this will will be done and is being done indeed uh, by private sector players. I mean, if you take Ampol, for instance, they're putting a really big push on this. We've been working closely with them and other fuel retailers because they know that's where they've got to go. But also home charging and we know the vast majority of charging will be done. Absolutely. In the home and workplace, That that is the reality. Um, and, uh, you know, there's got to be an enormous amount done and we're doing an enormous amount to make sure that's sustainable. Um, you know, if you put three or four Teslas on a street in a wealthy suburb in Sydney or Melbourne right now, the risk is that you, you blow the grid. Um, and so having smart charging in the home is something we're incenting now so that we don't have to invest as much in the electricity grid as we would otherwise have to, to incorporate these vehicles into our electricity grid. And that's the work of government. That's really what will uh, make the difference. Um, whereas the direct subsidies on the vehicles... You know that'll just end up as profits on the bottom line of the car companies, and 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 that that is not our focus. Our focus is on on getting the outcomes, uh, not bolstering the profits of car companies.
2: The the car companies argue that, or, or and the council electric vehicle council others argue that the government needs to set a a target for emissions, and that's why we're not a priority for car companies. We don't get the supply. Um, there's supply goes into countries where. The car companies are under pressure from governments to have emissions at a lower point. If the government here set an emissions standard that was far lower than it is today, it would drive car companies to bring more cars here and, you know, hopefully bring prices down and sell more cars. Why don't we have that?
1: Well, they want subsidies. I mean, that's the reality. That's just an instrument to get to the subsidies. That's what they're really asking for. And, um, you know, they've consistently uh, been asking for big, big subsidies but it's bad value for money. I mean, to put this in perspective, uh, in terms of emissions abatement, uh, you're talking up to $750 a tonne mm. by subsidising a car. It just makes no sense. Uh, now, you know, th- there's lots of people who, who are wealthy but have not bought a Tesla and would like to buy one and would love a government subsidy. But it's not our job to to subsidise people to buy
2: a Tesla. That's that's. But even if you don't use that, money, what what if you just put a target in place? I don't know what they are. I haven't looked at the numbers. Well, but, but what if you just said targets should be emissions should be lower as a whole of the cars that you sell, um, rather than saying you know by 2050 a number of cars should be electric, feed, all that. Emissions should be lower, and because if that that makes them bring in a, a larger percentage of electric vehicles, because it means their overall emission target is met.
1: We have a target. It's a very clear one, and we meet and beat it. And we've always met and beat it. The only target that matters to the environment is the atmospheric concentration of CO2 and our contribution to it, which is why we have, we have a target. Uh, We've we've always beaten it. Everyone, you know, look. Every industry wants their own subsidies. I get it. You know, that's the nature of government. We have lots of people at the door asking for government money, but our job is to be custodians of, of, of taxpayers' money. It's not our money. Um, and and to use it wisely and in terms of co2 emission reduction uh, it just doesn't cut it now mm. in terms but but what will ultimately be the barrier to uptake i don't believe the barrier to uptake is ultimately you know the, the, the car companies getting subsidies the ba- the barrier to uptake will be making sure we've got the infrastructure in place and 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 that our electricity networks can actually handle uh, that that uptake and we're seeing look at the end of the day, we're seeing customer choice having a huge impact now. I mean, if you look at the uptake of hybrid vehicles, it's it's phenomenal in Australia. We'll have over two-thirds of Toyotas in the very near future, for instance,
2: yeah.
1: uh, or hybrids. This is reducing emissions through customer choice.
2: Yeah.
1: And it might be a quaint old notion uh, in modern politics, but I believe in customer choice. I think customers yeah. know what kind of car they should buy. Um, and they know far more about what's right for them than the government. So yep. for the government to help make their choice through, you know, uh, uh, throwing lots of money around, it's just it, you know that is the wrong way to approach. It It just this.
2: feels to me like, and it's the last uh, last point I'll make about it, but it just feels to me like it's a 0 zero dollar solution for the government. The government well, just says that you need to have your emissions over over your vehicle sales at this point but, by but that's a not certain date.
1: That's not what they're asking.
2: Oh, no, I get that. But what I'm saying is go back to them and say, you are not going to no give you right. money. We're not giving you money, but you guys, you get your house in order. You bring cars here that have this percentage, and that percentage is going to be lower than what it is today, which requires them to bring more electric cars because supply is the biggest challenge. It's all great for Kia and Hyundai to sell cars, but they're only selling 500 a year.
1: Trevor, it's, it, look, at the end of the day, cars are a cha- supply is a challenge for all cars right yeah. now. We've got supply chain barriers. So, you know... People who want lots of money, uh, subsidies, will always ask for more and they'll give all sorts of reasons for it. But right now, we've got supply chain issues across all car vehicles. So, you know, that, that is not a – I don't think that argument cuts it. But, but let's be very clear about what is being asked for here. It's a target that penalises those who don't meet it. And the result of that will be a tax on, uh, on certain types of vehicles, that that is what has been asked for for yep. a long time. It's what Labor's policy was at the last election, um, and uh, you know um, that that is ultimately going to be a tax on people uh, who drive vehicles in places like where I live at Goulburn. Mm. Um, you know, because of them, you know, it's going to take more time for electric vehicles to be sustainable yep. in a regional area, and to impose costs on uh, people in those areas is not something we stand for. But but I tell you what, we do stand for is customer choice. As technologies improve, and I have no doubt whatsoever, as the costs and the prices get to a point where we're going to get uptake in different niches of vehicles, different types of vehicles, um, then we will see very rapid uptake. And of course, the thing about a very competitive industry like the global car industry is when there's strong demand, there's strong supply. And So I'm very confident uh, that we, we will see that. Um, and uh, you know, and Australian manufacturing will play a role in that. Yeah. We're seeing some really fantastic examples of Australian manufacturing being part of those supply chains, and we certainly want to see more. I want more Australia of to that. be
2: to be a leader in the the big uh, electric vehicle movement. Not just yes. your little Norways and things. I'm talking proper countries like ours. The scale of ours, the size of ours, unlike any other country, really has to deal with, other than perhaps America. It, despite the fact that they're that big, they still have a a, a more um, a larger population base in the, in the smaller areas. And, you know, the biggest challenge with that, and uh, you, you wouldn't be driving an electric car because where you are, but, you know, when you stop in Goulburn on the way back from Young or Narandra or Wagga or Canberra, the chances of the charger being broken is quite high, and that's a yeah. risk. That's a massive risk. There's one charger, one single charger in Yass. You stop there, you, and, it's, and it's in use or it's broken, and we've got nothing. So those are the barriers that we've still got to overcome, and they're not government-based, as I agree with you there. Well, well they're, I think government has industry. a rock.
1: Look, I think the government has a role in infrastructure. Um, you know, we always have had, and and we need to because infrastructure, you know, is of a different nature to buying yeah. a car. It, it's it's local. It's often a monopoly piece of of infrastructure, mm. and so we do have a role in that, and we are playing a role, in that and and that's incredibly important. And your example there is a is a great one. It's one I know well. So uh, we do we do have to make those investments, and the two hundred fifty million dollars in the Future Fuels Fund has a very strong focus on getting that uh, infrastructure into place. And that's where I think we can really move the dial.
2: One last thing. I'll give you a free kick because they're not willing to talk. Um, what's, is the uh, opposition, the, the uh, Labor uh, pledge, the Labor policy towards electric vehicles, is it destined to fail or how do you see it playing out for the Australians and Australian economy?
1: Well, it's a joke. So they're saying they're going to uh, take away uh, tariffs, but those tariffs are nearly all gone because we've got free trade agreements. Um, and uh, so that that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, you know the natural instinct of the Labor Party has always been that government knows better than consumers. Uh, uh, we don't. We don't. We respect consumers. We see them as the ultimate uh, decision makers. They're the best regulators in any market, the consumer. And uh, we will respect consumer choice. Um, That's right at the heart of how we think about the world.
2: What are your chances on the weekend?
1: Uh, Look, um, you know, I've been in five states in five days last week and (laughs) I've got to say the response um, was was positive. And, uh, you know, I I tend to focus because of my electorate and a lot of the things I'm talking about in, in the regional and outer suburban areas and I see enormous support for the government in those areas.
2: Best of luck. It's going to be a, a, a mega election day for you and I hope you get a little rest beforehand and a lot of rest afterwards and I appreciate your time on the show today.
1: Good on you. Thanks, Trevor.
2: Great. Taking your calls. If you've got a tech question, go to the website eftm.com. Just click on Ask Trev. Trevor Long taking your calls. Good day, Mark. G'day, Trevor. How
0: are you?
2: Good, buddy. What can I do for you? Good. I was
0: just after uh, sort of trying to put a security cameras just wanted to know what the uh, best options was with a wireless or having a wide in
1: um, yeah, the, the options
2: of the market I want to show what the best option is. What are the features that you're looking for? Are you looking for lights? Are you looking for audio? Are you looking for doorbell? What sort of things do you want to come from the system?
0: Um, basically I just want to see if uh, anybody comes down my driveway uh, to be able to recognise them in a sense um, like a uh, uh,
2: to my phone just so that somebody's there. Yep. And that's, and that's just the, just the one camera, or do you think you'll want multiple? Um, i probably just
0: oh, maybe two or three. Nothing, nothing too serious, but two yeah. or three
2: cameras probably. Look, um, there are so many options on the market. Uniden, uh, Google Nest, uh, Arlo. My yep. personal recommendation would be Arlo, not just because they've been longtime supporters, but because I've got lots of their cameras at home. I've got the doorbell, I've got the floodlight and I've got three or four cameras around the home uh, as well as other brands because I I kind of test them all. Um, uh, The key thing to look for, whether it's Ring, uh, Arlo, Google is some sort of smart notification. So with Arlo, I think it's actually called Arlo Smart as a subscription you pay, small amount every month per camera, but allows you to get notifications based on what it sees as opposed to just a tree waving in 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 the wind. Um, yep. and for me, that's critical because you just want notifications when a person is detected. Um, yep. and see the great thing is you can have three cameras and only one of them has the smart subscription. So you, you don't have to pay for all three to have the subscription. You can just say on this one, I want the smart subscription so that I can get the smart notifications on the others. I just want to set a schedule and, and do some recording and all that kind of stuff. Um, i obviously also have the doorbell that they, you can throw in. So, you know, off and running, um, if you go their kind of mainstream system, you're talking about $1,100 for a kind of three-pack camera system um, that has a hub, and has a base station. You can put a USB in there to record the video as well as recording to the cloud. You shouldn't spend more than maybe $300 on a doorbell, I don't think. And I, I wouldn't be at all worried about the wireless situation because as long as you know that you're going to get two to four months of battery life, depending on how much it picks up and how often you set it, then recharging the batteries is an easy thing to do and it's it's not it's a no-brainer. Um, the main thing I say to people, whatever brand you buy, is spend the first couple of weeks, do not get frustrated with it. You will get too many notifications. It will be pointed too much at the street and not enough at the home. And there'll be a whole range of things you can tweak and change about the thing. So for me, it's all about the schedule. Our Arlos are set to be you know recording at certain times of the day no matter what. Only sending notifications of, of people at certain times of day, the floodlight is set to certain times of the day, and so that I really only get notifications when I need to. You know, when I when I clearly need to know that there's some, some action at the home. So um, spend a bit of time on that setup process and tweak it over the first few weeks and that will not only, you know, save you getting really annoyed by notifications, but also that prolongs the battery life as well.
0: Sure. Cool. All right. That's excellent. All right. Uh-huh. That,
1: that was one of, the, uh, one of the options I was looking at but between that or the Google. So,
0: yeah. Well,
2: cover the front door, cover the back door. And um, and, and the great thing about um, the wireless nature of these things is you can actually put one, it could be on a tree out the front looking at your front door. Um, yeah. You know, looking at the street is always problematic because you get cars. And if you record everything, you're going to record a lot of video. <laughs> yeah.
1: For sure. Uh, no, that, that that's a good option.
0: That's excellent. All right, oh, champion. No worries. Appreciate good luck. Enjoy. Excellent. Thanks,
2: Trevor. Good on you. And, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a fun thing to have. I really like the fact that we've got them. I, I've said before, and I'll say it again, if you want that whole, you know, if, a, if something happens across the street, oh, I've got the video of it thing, you really do need a hardwired um, NVR network video recorder so that there's a hard drive in your home and it's always recording. The things we're talking about only record at certain times, certain certain triggers, and so if something happens at the front of your house, it may not have captured it. It may have seen it, but it may not have captured it because that's not what they're there for. Uh, I have a Google Nest camera running uh, that has that kind of windback function, but that's a subscription. Uh, Arlo have a CVR, continuous video recording function that is a subscription, and it needs to be battery-powered. So Sorry, mains-powered, or you could put a solar panel on it and that'll that'll work as well. But it's you're always gonna pay more for continuous video recording. Just a little side note. This is the EFTM podcast. EFTM. Taking your calls, got a tech question. Happy to help. EFTM.com. Click on ask. Trev Jody did that. G'day, Jody. Hey Trevor, how are you? Really good. What can I do for you?
3: Okay. I'm looking for a new smart TV. And I love I spending know. other
2: people's money, so this is good. <laughs> Let's go.
3: Um, I'm looking for a sixty-five inch. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand what the new smart TVs are.
2: What have we got plugged in? You got Foxtel? You got anything? Like, what do you What do you um, use it for?
3: Oh, well, use it for streaming. Um, I've got a NVIDIA box. I think that's how you say it. NVIDIA. And what what do you got, use that for? Because um, you can get the VPN on it.
2: <laughs> all right. Let's not talk about what Jody's watching, all right?
3: <laughs> and I've also got an Apple TV box.
2: All right. So here's the thing. In reality... You don't need a smart TV. Just just remember that for a minute because – No, I
3: know because the one we've got isn't a smart TV. We we bought just the TV. And so – starting to die at um, Audi. So, like again,
2: you, you don't need – do you know what I mean? Like that's you've, – you've had a great experience. Or, or do you miss or want for the apps on the TV? Like is that something you strive for or is it just all good the way you're running it?
3: Um, It's good the way it's running but I wouldn't mind having the apps just yeah. in case like yeah. something goes wrong.
2: Okay. What apps we use most?
3: Binge, BritBox. I'd like something I can get. I like, um, um, what is it? Um, BBC iPlayer on.
2: Wow, you ain't gonna get that anywhere in Australia. Ugh. And also BritBox. I don't. I think that might be on Samsung, but BritBox. I'd be. Is that on the Apple TV? Yeah,
3: and on the 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 Nvidia box as well. So
2: the Apple TV is gonna be the key to most of those those style services: Binge, Stan, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus. The big global yep. brands, they're the ones you'll get on, on your smart TVs. Um, so I think the number one thing here is then you end up going really, okay, so we don't need to go extreme premium here because you're going to get the same kind of uh, outcomes on pretty much any TV you buy. Have you got, you know you want 65 inches, have you got a budget in mind? Two grand. Max two grand, yep. um, which is a lot more than you spent on the last TV, obviously.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an impulse buy. It was a aldi and it was just like it's there it's like shit this is let's give it a go how long did it last um probably about like and it's only just like starting to die like it's coming on really slow Mm. and taking a long time to like switch over to um to hdmi and stuff like that
2: how long did it last
3: probably about Two three years and it was like
2: four hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean, this is the beautiful thing—you got what you paid for, and it, it yeah, worked. Exactly. Beautiful. It worked great for those two years, right? I mean, it, you're, yeah. not, you're not unhappy with how it looked. I, I say this all the time, and people will hate me for repeating, but we've got a what would be determined as an LED TV. It's the same kind of company that makes them the the Linsar, which is from the good guys, an eighty-two inch one in the in the kids' kind of games room. And I see my son, fifteen year old, playing his Xbox on it. I'm thinking he is not complaining to me about the quality of that TV. So no, people often get caught all. up in that. Um, so yeah. the best, l- let me give you two top end recommendations. Uh, yep. You know, going going right up to your budget. So a Sony, um, they call it X90J, uh, at, at literally two grand, 90, Um, That's a Google TV. So the reason I love that is because it pretty much has every possible app you will ever get, and it cool. may, in fact you may have some luck with your iPlayer-style stuff, but then you'll need to make sure that goes through a VPN and all some other strange yep. things. Yep. At the router, which if you've got an NVIDIA box, there's someone in the house who knows what they're doing and can probably sort that out for you. Well, um, kind of, yeah. So so the Sony, <laughs> I love the Sony because of the Google TV. Alongside that, at about the same price, $100 less, the Hisense U8G, great TV. U-8-G. Great TV, cool. um, good quality, beautiful picture, Nice design too, Um, and it's their smart TV, so it'll have all the apps that they have available. Um, Cool. But So outside of that, I actually would skip pretty much a long way down in the price bracket and essentially replace what you've got today with just something way better. And for a 1000 bucks, you can get the Hisense A7G, which essentially just has different level of lighting behind it. But it's probably way better than what you already had. So even this $995 TV, the Hisense A7G, uh, it, it will be fantastic. It's a great TV. Wow. Um, so there's a couple of Hisenses around that $1,000 price point, which I think would be great, and I don't think you'd have a problem with given what you've bought before. And But here's what I would do with your remaining budget. Get a soundbar. Right? Why? Because the sound experience from a television with a soundbar is way better. It like, I, honestly, I would buy a soundbar. If you're someone that said to me, my TV's still working, but I think I need a better picture quality, I'd always say just buy, buy a soundbar. Improve the viewing experience as opposed to, um, you know, worrying about, you know, this year's versus last year's TV. In your case, you need a new TV. So let's get the $1,000 TV, spend five or 600 on a soundbar. If you watch any movies uh, or any decent content, you'll you'll be blown away by how much better it is with good sound. Like Netflix shows, yeah. I watch Drive to Survive, the Formula One show. The sound on that is probably forty percent of the show. It's so good.
3: Yeah, I, I could imagine. So absolutely,
2: you either pocket the money, which is fine, obviously you save money. Yeah. <laughs> but if you've got that budget in mind, I would I would recommend you just look at a couple of soundbars just to just to get a sense.
3: Yeah, and because I've noticed with this one, I don't know whether it's the TV or whether it's the streaming service. But some of the shows on Netflix, like we've had to turn it up to max
2: yeah. to and, hear it. And look, the TV, the sound, the speakers in a in a cheap Aldi TV are, are not great. <laughs> yeah. Even here's yeah. the here's the best thing though. Even buying a cheap hundred dollar, I, I make this commitment to you: if you buy a hundred dollar soundbar, it'll sound better than the TV you have today. If you though go, okay, I want to just let's just do something reasonable here, um, and let's get You know, a a nice Sony soundbar for two hundred and fifty bucks, or a JBL at you know five hundred bucks. Oh my god, you will you'll be pumping the volume and worrying about the (laughs) neighbours.
3: Yeah, we live in a really old building that has no insulation. We don't want to go too loud.
2: But what I'm saying is, the ability to go loud exists this way. You'll 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 start to appreciate sound so much more. And by the way, um, a, a TV. Uh, a cheap tv is actually firing the sound into the wall so whatever's on the other side of that that wall has been getting copying the sound whereas a soundbar sends the sound to you directly out at you so you'll find you'll get a better sound at a lower volume a better listening experience at a lower volume
3: oh didn't realize that
2: there you go boom
3: oh happy shopping cool Enjoy. Thank you so much. My pleasure.
2: Enjoy. Um, hopefully you get something super awesome and, uh, and yeah, it's a great viewing experience for many years to come. If you put it this way, though, you buy a high center or Sony, we should not be talking about TVs for four or five years.
3: Okay, cool. Cool. Thank you so much. I think I'm going to go shop pretty soon.
2: Yes. That's what we love. Good on you. Enjoy. Excellent. Thank See you. Bye. Bye. now. Um, if you've got a – I love spending people's money. I've said that before. It's my favorite thing to do. I just don't know how much money I could earn doing that. Like – if I if I went out and made that my job, what do I earn? Like can I t- can I charge fifty bucks for what I just did? If we walk through a store, I mean you know it's got to be time limited. But the challenge would be not to be at the beh- behest of any um, single TV company because the problem is in a retail store, you don't know what kickbacks exist to the store or the individual selling it to you. There's things we call spivs, um, and they're like a and I'll just use a. Uh, we'll make up a brand. Well, let's let's call it the um, the 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 the, the Sunkiss TV. They don't sell TVs. They sell um, orange soft drink. But let's say there was a Sunkiss TV. You know, a big retailer can say to their 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 staff, for every Sunkiss TV you sell this Saturday, we're going to give you one hundred and fifty dollars in your in your pay packet. And the uh, Sunkiss TVs gives the retailer like two hundred, and they clip fifty, and they give the the store member one hundred and fifty. And hey, hey, Presto, a whole bunch of extra TVs are sold that weekend. Now, I have a I, I have a, um, a great relationship with the people at Hisense, for example. They sponsor the movie podcast. But it's not why I recommend their TVs to people. I reckon I've recommended Sony TVs more than any other TV in the last year. Um, it's just the way it is. When you narrow down your needs and your price, you always end up with a lot less choice than what you first start with. And that's that's where we go. With I'm after, always after value. And I can always tell the difference between someone wanting value versus absolute outstanding quality. Anyway, let me know what you think and go to the website, EFTM.com. EFTM. You're listening to the
3: EFTM Podcast. EFTM.
2: Should have left it, um, and I know that. Uh, (laughs) I knew it while it was happening, but I didn't because, you know, it's just not in my bones. (laughs) I had a little bit of time on my hands yesterday, and... uh, I posted a message on the on the interwebs on Elon Musk's favourite platform. Just making the point, and I did, I specifically did this on Twitter for a reason, because that is where m- more of my world is media and politics. So I posted on Twitter, this week on the EFTM podcast, Angus Taylor MP, tick. Last week, Paul Fletcher MP, tick. Shadow Labor Ministers, Chris Bowen, cross. Michelle Rowland, cross. I said all four were invited on the show back on April 28th. That Labour didn't want to discuss their EV or renewable policy, policy says it all to me. Now, uh, the, ran, the regular people who follow me just were like, "Oh, that's terrible! Bad luck to them." Uh, and then a good friend, Dan Illick, who is highly political and very left, um, left-leaning, um, share, shared that, uh, and that brought all of the lefties out to attack me. And I don't get really give rats because it's what I do. Um, I attack back, uh, as you well know. Um, as oh, one of them was gold, uh, I can't remember her name, but it was pure gold. she was just a solid lefty who played wordle and nothing else on on Twitter and so I may have went back about that. anyway, my point here is um there was one conversation I was having with a bloke about you know, it shouldn't matter anyway, you should interrogate them and all that and I like I'm thinking you don't even you don't even know what this show is. you don't know who I am. I don't interrogate anyone. um I offered, four people, a platform to talk about their policies with a reasonably engaged audience on the topic. Uh, two of them didn't want that platform. Um, the funny thing is, I actually think probably the Labor Party has the best TV platform. Not that amazing, but still better. The only question, I and, and if you listen to this show regularly, you know from my chat with Bayhad Jafari, my only question was about car companies and subsidies. Should they get them, uh, and and secondly, should there be emissions targets? So that's all I wanted to know. That Was all I just wanted on the record. I wasn't going to interrogate. I wasn't going to hassle. I was just going to ask the question. Um, and I did of Angus Taylor, and frankly, he gave a pretty unsatisfactory answer to that question. Um, kept when I'm talking about emissions targets, which are free, he kept talking about subsidies. I'm like, I oh. don't. Anyway, I'm not arguing with the bloke. He can misinterpret and politic away my questions by giving straight answers. I don't care. Same thing would have happened to Chris Bowen and Michelle Rowland. Same thing. but They chose not to come on. Now, Ed Husick, who has been on this show several times over the years, um, I asked him to come on today just because I felt bad that I'd had two Liberal National MPs on and no one from the Labor Party. Ed's in Perth, couldn't come on the show, apologized profusely and was, I think, a little disappointed in his colleagues, but he doesn't control them. Um, And he would have come on the show because I have no problem with people wanting to come on. I have a problem with people who don't want to talk about their own fundamental policies. And you know what? I don't care if this sounds utterly and completely egotistical. But yeah, this is just a little podcast. It's more than just about talking to me on this podcast. What comes out of those four chats, I think would have been, I definitely would have written an article for it at 9news.com.au. I'm more than just a little podcaster. I do more media. I talk about technology and electric vehicles on mainstream media, on radio stations, 52 of them every week, and one of the biggest television networks in the country, more than anyone else in this country. The fact that you didn't want to talk to me, well, it just shows either a lack of research or that you're scared that I am going to bash up. Now, if they had a, if they had a said that, you know, what are the questions going to be? I would have said, oh, listen, I'm just going to give you a platform to talk about it. And I might ask about emissions targets. I'm pretty sure they would have come on. Uh, I just find it funny. I really do. Deep down, I now hope they don't get into government just because it helps prove a point given the way the polls are going, maybe they will. Um, I don't think much is going to change for you or me. I really don't. Prices of electric cars aren't going to come down in three or six years if they're in for two terms. Um, the charging networks are already in place. They're already funded to be expanded and rebuilt. So anyone in the next three or six years claiming credit for charging networks expanding, really, it was already in, in, in the planning. Um, but we've got a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do, and there needs to be less politics and more planning in this whole space. Um, I'm just annoyed, but good luck to them. Good on them. Angus Taylor and Paul Fletcher came on willingly without much pestering. I stopped pestering a week ago. I'm not pestering the Labor Party to come on here. If they don't want to come on, they don't want to come on. Whatever. Good luck to them. Um, May the best man win. Uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a fascinating election this weekend. It really will. And I'll put on the record because when we talk private feed, it'll be too late. Um, I think that this will be a hung parliament. I think we won't get anywhere near close to having a vote by Monday. And I think that then there'll be that whole Oakshot-Windsor negotiation stuff going on again. And I think if that happens, there's a big chance that the government won't change. But... It'll be fascinating to see um, what does happen. If it's a landslide, it's a landslide. But I still don't think much will change for you and me in this area of communications and EV. Uh, But we'll wait and see. And on episodes in 2026, we'll talk about, and we'll look back on it and we'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, you're listening to the EFTM podcast. Taking your calls, got a tech question, lovely to help you out. Andy's on the phone. G'day, Andy. How are you, Trev? Really good, mate. What can I do for you?
4: Well, we've got this new TV, uh, OLED. Um, Only when we're watching Formula One, it doesn't matter what what volume uh, we put it on, Mm -hmm. um, you just can't hear the commentary properly. And when we're watching MotoGP, and also uh, Indy cars, anything like that, mm. uh, V8 supercars, we don't have any trouble. So,
2: Jeez, you sound like wondering... a man after my own heart. God love you. How's the motorsport going? <laughs> how, how are you enjoying the Formula oh, 1 season?
4: Absolute, absolutely. We love our motorsport, mate, and I travel overseas as often as I can around Asia to the bikes and also the cars and that as well.
2: Oh, nice. Well, I hope you subscribe to the EFTM Formula 1 podcast for after each race. Now, um, how are you watching it? KO, Foxtel, where, where do you get it?
4: Yeah, Foxtel.
2: You got a little box or a streamed?
4: Yes, yeah, streamed.
2: So like a Foxtel? Oh, wait, hang on, sorry. No, have you got a Foxtel box?
4: Yes, we we have got a Foxtel box, yes.
2: Are uh, you paying for 4K?
4: Yes, we
2: are. That's why. So I've noticed this myself. I've noticed that in the 4K feed, the audio mix is out horribly. And I, I think it's because my guess, and I haven't, played around with it, I think it's because they're actually sending a better quality audio feed and your TV's not interpreting it correctly. Or right. it's coming through to Foxtel in a certain way and they're not sending it out to us in the correct way. So the thing you want to look for, just have a pl- – now, I can't guarantee this is going to do anything, but the good news is um, the people at Foxtel have been nagging me to speak to a bloke called Les Wigan for a few weeks now. And he's right. their, their tech guru – um, he wanted to talk about 4K, so I'm going to put this on him. If I don't have an answer by next week, we'll, we've got a problem. Um, right. But my guess is have a look in your TV um, for things like words like Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos. Um, I'm trying to think what else that would be called from a sound perspective. But look into the settings of the TV uh, on the sound and, and, and see whether there's any changes you can make there that don't change how, how good it is for the other channels, but do change how good it is for the F1. Um, right on with you. But the, the thing to do in the meantime, as annoying as this is, is, is just watch the F1 in HD instead of 4K, and I bet you any money it changes for you.
4: Uh, okay, then. How right big did you say then. the TV was? It's 48-inch.
2: Mate, I'd I'd cancel the 4K. Right. At 48 inches, I'd be amazed if you can see the difference between 4K and HD. Right. I'd be blown away. Okay. Because it's good, but ain't that good. Like, on a 4K, on a so a, a 4K is amazing on a 75-inch TV, for example. But on a little 48, I'm oh, sorry to be degrading of your TV.
4: No, that's fine, mate. On a 48,
2: y- your eyes can only see so many pixels, and they're all packed in together so tightly anyway. So right. I actually think you don't need the 4K. So for, what have we got? We got the um, uh, Spanish Grand Prix this weekend.
1: Yes, Mate, correct.
2: Friday night, 10 p.m., first practice. Yep. Try it in 4K, then try it in, right. in HD, and I reckon you'll end up staying with a HD. Okay, then. And then I will try and find out uh, over the next course of the week uh, about why the audio issue exists because it's only the Formula 1. The rugby League right, doesn't yeah. do it. Uh, the MotoGP, as you mentioned, doesn't do it. And obviously you've got Stan now, do you? So you're watching the IndyCars and stuff?
4: No, no, we haven't got Stan. No, we haven't. I just watch it when it's on, uh, just on Fox Hill.
2: Well, the IndyCars aren't on Fox Hill anymore. you got to get yourself a Stan subscription, boss. What sort of TV right. did you get? And Is it an LG or a Samsung or something that's got the Stan app on it?
4: Um, it's a um, oh,
2: Samsung, I think. Right, yeah. Well, it's one of the big names, yeah?
4: Yes, it is, yes.
2: Here's what I'm going to do. I am going to get a Stan subscription voucher for you. Right. It might be for two weeks. It might be for two months. I don't know. I'll find one. I'll get one. I'm right. going to send it to you because they, mate, Stan's got the Formula E. They've got the IndyCar. Um, they've got the World Rally Championship. They've got heaps of motorsport as well.
4: An actual fact, Trevor, it was the Formula E we were watching.
2: Well, I don't know where you were watching it because it ain't on Foxtel.
4: Well, it, it, mate, it's, Who's we? it's, on, it, it's on myself and my partner.
2: Are they tech savvy?
4: No. <laughs>
2: well, it, it and, must. And,
4: and either am I so much.
2: <laughs> well, I want to get you on a stand. It'll be awesome.
4: Right. I then that sounds good to me.
2: All right. Well, um, I'll get in touch with you on the email and, uh, you try the HD this weekend for the Foxtel. All right. We'll, we'll do. Good on you, buddy.
4: Appreciate what you're doing. Thank my, you.
2: My pleasure, mate. Anytime. And, Thanks. um, yeah, no, you're, 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 you're welcome. My friend, you're welcome. Um, the yeah, it's, it's funny. He hasn't even noticed. He's a Formula One nut, he's a motorsport nut. Hasn't even noticed that Fox still has lost the IndyCar and the World Rally and stuff and the Formula E. So, I wonder if it was like one of those Eurosport kind of highlight things you was seeing or something like that. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll see if we can help him out with a stand subscription to check out the IndyCars. Scott McLaughlin's season over there in America. Uh, you're listening to the EFTM podcast, yes. All right, thanks for listening. Uh, happy voting on the weekend. Uh, make sure you get your lamington, your sausage, and your cupcake. Isn't that what everyone else does on Election Day? And uh, vote early, vote often. And remember, it's legal to draw on the ballot. Just don't cover up any of the information. So as long as the, scrut- the, the scrutineers can, can see clearly what your vote is, with the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, et cetera, you can draw whatever you want. You can write EFTM rocks on the bottom. I don't know, whatever you like. Um, and yeah, there's those stickers on Instagram. There's cool stuff you can do on the on election day just to get in the vibe of it all. Um, I was going to say something else and I've already forgotten what it was. Anyway, back next week. Uh, lots to get through, busy time. Uh, I think we're going to try and talk to next week about 4K. Uh, and whatever you want me to do, you just get in touch and let me know. <music>